Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, get out your anti-venom. It's SST 140, the Divine Horseman album, Snake Handler. And when I was listening to this record, Brant, uh, this week, I was like, man, this record just reeks of Brant. I bet you you love it, hey? <laughs> I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah I no. knew it. And, <laughs> and and I mean, for good reason. It's a good, good record, good rocker. Yeah, yeah, it's and, awesome. And uh, great, great tunes on it. Um, it's like Americana is, is what I kept thinking all the time. Uh, I don't know why, but that's what kept coming up. Like, this is like roots rock for, for me, sure. late 80s. Yep, definitely. Great. And I don't, you know, we'll talk about it later, but like never before, for some reason, um, the thing that stuck out to me was Robin Jameson's bass playing. I don't know, like it, he is on fire on this record for me. So I w- it was just a real treat to listen to it this week for me. Yeah, they all are, man. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get into it, you probably have some spiels for the people, don't you? I do. I have the J section of my get this shit off my phone spiel. Do you have a name for me? Yeah, I do. It's it's uh geez, man. Get these get these <laughs> records off my phone. <laughs> How about that? Good one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of thought went into that one. You betcha. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Jayhawks' new record, XOXO, didn't quite grab me right off the bat, speaking of Americana, uh, but yeah. I'll try it some more. I have total respect for the Jayhawks and generally love everything they do. So, Have they ever really come to match Hollywood Town Hall? Like That has been my favorite one forever. I've, I've picked up ones since then, but is that still the best Jayhawks record? It's up there for sure. Yep. What's the best one for you? Probably that one. Or there you go. Yeah. That has um what's that? Just that Take oh, Me With man. You When You Go. Oh yeah. That one's yeah. good too. And um Nevada, California. Isn't that on there? Yep. Oh yeah. I think so. That record's awesome. The the Divine Horseman has got me in a Jayhawks mood. Nice one. There you go. Uh Jacob's Mouse. Do you know him? I don't. Nineteen ninety one. I did their debut, No Fish Shop parking british band with identical twins up front on bass and guitar and the drummer is the vocalist so pretty interesting configuration really great early 90s indie rock they toured extensively with a pre never never mind nirvana jacob's ladder mouse oh jacob's mouse aha jacob's ladder is a rush song (laughs) (laughs) and what's the jacob's mouse album no fish shop parking. I got to check that out. Okay, here's a J band I'm sure I've talked about on on the podcast before because they're one of my all time faves, the Jacobites. Oh yeah, I did Robespierre's Velvet Basement. Not my go to Jacobites record, but I've heard it a zillion times. I bought it for the third time on Record Store Day last year. I'm a sucker for all things Dave Cusworth and Nikki Sudden, John Zorn and Zion Eighty. This is John Madoff's band, Zion 80. I did the Audramelic Book of Angels, Volume 22. Most of John Zorn's uh, Book of Angels series was pretty good. Mainly guitar-based fusion, this one. Zorn composed and produced it. The whole series is worth checking out, even as a primer to John Zorn stuff. The one with Medeski, Martin, and Wood is good. The Mark Rabot one is totally killer. The Secret Chiefs 3 one is good. 
it's a good primer for John Zorn, considering he has like a thousand records under his name. So having John Zorn with and the last name Zorn with a Z or a Z is probably the most offensive alphabetizing you've done so far. <laughs> it, I, I'm just going by how it, my phone does it, man. No, no. You have to alphabetize it by last name, even if that's not how it downloads. Sorry. That would be way too difficult. I would have to scroll through the 10,000 albums on my phone and try and find try and find all their last names. <laughs> Does this help, Ryan? My John Zorn collection in my house, my physical copies are under Z. Does that help? It's better. Okay. Yeah. J.G. Thurlwell. He's played on a zillion projects, most notably the band Fetus. He has a new release with this guy, Simon Steesland. Oscillospira, I'm going to say. That's, I'm probably saying it's wrong. It's brand new, 2020 Ipecac. The sticker on the front of the CD has a Mike Patton quote on it where he says, Andrew Lloyd Webber in the house, punching, mag <laughs> punching magma in the nuts. Wow. Speaking of Mike Patton, did you see that there's a new Mr. Bungle album coming out? It's an old one, right? Well, they're re-recording old and unfinished songs. But Scott Ian is on this record, for example. Nice. That's not an old. That's not an old record. That's a new one. Yeah. Oh well, I'll be checking that out for sure. I I saw that it was coming. I didn't read it. What exactly it was? I assumed it was one of the old cassette ones, pre Warner Brothers or whatever. No, it's um, they are songs composed from that era. The, the sample that they've got online makes it sound like it's quite the thrash record. I'm not sure that, like, my my favorite bungle is probably uh, Disco Volante in California. And I don't, I like the self-titled one too, but, like, Disco Volante in California, they're not that thrashy. They're more crazy. Mm. And uh, so I don't know. It almost sounded like a Dead Cross song that they had posted as a sample. So you'll probably like it. Well, if Scott Ian's playing guitar, that's a good sign. Probably yeah. the fastest rhythm guitar player in the business. So, Okay, Janitor Joe, Big Metal Birds. You have to be a fan of that record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love me some Janitor Joe. Noise Rock from Minneapolis, 1993, Amphetamine Reptile. Kristen Plaff played bass in that band prior to joining Hole. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of Faith No More, Ryan, I did that Jim Martin Milk and Blood record that we talked about, I don't know how many oh, yeah, episodes cool. back. I think I told you about that, eh? Yep. Interesting, but not amazing. No, agreed. There's some cool stuff on there. Uh, he has a co-write with Jason Newstead. James Hetfield sings backup vocals under the pseudonym Chum God on the record. <laughs> <laughs> the version of Surprise You're Dead is totally weak compared to the faith no more version but agreed okay speaking of nikki sudden i did the jeremy gluck album i knew buffalo bill his 1987 solo debut jeremy of course was in the barracudas it's a two lp set nikki sudden's on it epic soundtracks there's an sst connection roland s howard is on it who will we'll be seeing in about 30 episodes here Jawbox, Ryan, my oh, yeah. my scrapbook of fatal accidents. Dude. I bought this around the time when all the Discord reissues came out. This one's on DeSoto, actually, double LP. It's got Peel Sessions, live stuff, unreleased stuff, and a side of covers where they cover the Big Boys, Tar, Cure, 
the Buzzcocks, some other stuff, and they do a Minutemen cover. It's expected I'm gone. Yeah, and that is the version that's on that comp. Our band could be your life. The uh, the Minutemen tribute album. Right. Okay, I couldn't let the J section go by without sneaking some Jeff Doll in there. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites from the Triple X era of of his career, Bliss from 1995. There's no credits anywhere on the LP jacket, and mine doesn't have an insert. So I'm not sure if we've got some Duff action or some Amy Witchman action, but it's a great what record. About the, what about the Rat Man? Mr. Rat Boy? Oh, is it the Rat Boy? Yeah. I, I yeah. don't know, man. There's no credits. What's his name? What's his real name again? Oh, geez. It's French. Come on. Yeah, come on, man. I can't What's remember. What's the Rat Man's name? Oh, I got, you know what? It's been so long since I've read that Bruce Duff book. It'd be worth a good read again. Oh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. The Smell of Death, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey I've got a dose of doll coming up for you in a minute here. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, pure and simple. 1994. I'm an unapologetic Joan Jett fan. Great one from the 90s, produced by Ed Stasium, so it sounds really great. I still need to see that Bad Reputation documentary about Joan Jett. And that documentary is actually made by Kevin Kerslake, who I'll be talking talking about in about 15 minutes here. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Joe Satriani. I always check out his new ones. This one's brand new. It's called Shape Shifting. Didn't quite grab me like some of his others have, but I have, like the Jayhawks, huge respect for him as an artist, so I'll definitely be giving it another spin. Hmm. Jingo de Lunch. Do you know them, Ryan? I don't. Perpet- I like the name. Perpetuum Mobile from 1987. They're a German punk, kind of a rock band. I don't know the history of how she ended up in this band, uh, but vocalist Yvonne Duxworth is from Burling- Burlington, Ontario, here in Canada. Oh, no way. And, and the band's based out of Berlin. So, Janice Figure. Do you know who they are? No. Oh, Janice Figure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we saw I them. Thought, I thought you were like, oh, you know, Mrs. Janice Figure. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Janice Figure. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Were you with me when we saw them? When I saw them? I don't think I've ever seen them. So I did the 2000 album Damage Control. They're on Owned and Operated Records, which is the record label owned by the band All and Joe Carducci. They're from Minnesota. Kind of remind me of the band Obits a little bit. Yeah, they're good. Jaw Wobble and Deep Space. Five Beat is the record I listened to. It's from 2003. It's a great one for spacing out to. Dubby, Deep Grooves, of course. Some horns on it. It's a good place to start too, if if people want to get into, into his solo stuff. Here's one I bet you like, Ryan. Justice League. Reach Out. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just okay, hey? Just okay. Positive Force yeah. Records, it has that sound, like New Wind era 7 seconds, which I just love. And it's recorded at Radio Tokyo, actually. Oh, yeah. 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 You know what my first 7 seconds record was, which is why I I like I like all 7 seconds. I like the really early, fast stuff, but the first stuff that I got into was the Out on the Shizzy record. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe I it. I think... I don't think anyone likes that record, but it's the first one I ever got by them. Yeah, well, the first one I got was the Praise EP, and it's my favorite, so. Yeah, there you go. Okay, Jack Brewer Band, 
Harsh World. There's one that's on the SS tree. It's the second one on New Alliance Records from 1991. It's got some songs on it like Why Did God Create Assholes? Personal song for Mike Watt to sing. And <laughs> it's got Rich Ford on it, Philo, Bob Fitzer, Saccharine Trust bass player, Ed Horta from the Lazy Cowgirls is the drummer, Georgie does a spoken word thing on it. Nice. George Hurley. Okay, Joseph K., Sorry for Laughing, Scottish post-punk, kind of like Gang of Four, Talking Heads, all the way back to 1981. It's cool stuff. Here's one you'll appreciate, Ryan. I did the Joe Strummer 001 box set. The whole box? Yep. The whole box, eh? Yeah. Nice. Good stuff on there, like that 101ers. Their tracks are oh, really yeah. cool. Pretty tough to beat that song, Coma Girl, though. I love that song. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of his top five when he came back with the Mescaleros, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but I love it all. I love Earthquake Weather. I even like songs on Cut the Crap, I'll admit it. I just... Joe can do no wrong for me. I was listening. I listened to like five Clash bootlegs this afternoon while I was cleaning my office. So there. Nice move. Yep. Okay. Julian Cope. Not a huge fan of his solo stuff or the Teardrop Explodes actually, but his 2005 double album Dark Orgasm is just a fantastic trippy hard rock record. Junkyard Ryan. Old habits <laughs> die hard. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't gonna work this I'm time gonna, either i'm gonna keep beating the junkyard dr junkyard drum man came out last year on on acetate records it's basically the best of their two unreleased albums from the early 90s ryan here is their pedigree though okay man i know i know brian baker's in there it doesn't mean i'm gonna like it patrick Munzingo and todd muscat from the toxic shock band decry are in the band okay yeah, okay. Chris Gates from the Big Boys and po Poison 13 was in the band. Yeah. As you mentioned, Brian it's Brian Baker's best band that he's ever been in, hands down. What? <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's just a fact. Oh, God, that's brutal. David Roach, the vocalist, is one of the best hard rock singers of all time, in my opinion. I think you think this is like glam, glam rock or something, or whatever, but it's not. If you like if you like ACDC, the Hangmen, the Black Crows, the Lazy Cowgirls, the Super Suckers, you will eat this up. Uh, I've tried so many times. What was the one band recently that you tried to get me into that was a total hair metal band? What was the one? <laughs> Hanoi Rocks. That's the one you're like. You're just judging a book by its cover. That's oh, you're, you're going. Doing. No, I listened to it. You're like Ryan. They're just like the Clash. You would love Hanoi Rocks, and <laughs> and I. I I, I went and I checked out like five YouTube videos and I'm like, well, I mean, they must have a ton of shitty records and one good one, I guess. But I don't I didn't find the good one. <sighs> junkyard rules. I don't care what you say. So, sounds like you got to gift me a good junkyard record. Yeah. Judge bringing it down. Ooh. Revelation 1989, Straight Edge New York Hardcore. I was totally getting off on this this yeah. week. I need more. I need more of this. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Jets to Brazil, Orange Rhyming Dictionary. Yes. 1998, their debut. Yeah, yeah. Former Jawbreaker, Blake. Yep. Yag Ponzer, Ample Destruction, Colorado Band, 80s Freestyle Metal. Totally underrated. You wouldn't like it, though. And speaking of Judas Priest, I did their album from last year, Firepower, because I just can't get enough of it. 
Jerry's Kids, Kill, Kill, oh, yeah. Kill, 1989, Tang Records. Most people probably go for the earlier hardcore stuff, Is This My World, but I usually always prefer the later era of these bands where the metal starts creeping in a little bit. Yeah, they turn into crossover bands for sure. Yeah. If it's on Tang, you know it's awesome. You got that right. Okay, Jesus Lizard, Liar. Ooh, it's one of the top top seven Jesus Lizard albums. <laughs> they didn't really put out a bad one, hey? Yeah, not even close. Joe Keithley beat Trash from 1999, his solo protest music album. He does Lead Belly, Woody Guthrie, uh, some a bunch of originals. Joe Henderson, The Elements from 1974 with Alice Coltrane and Charlie Hayden on bass. Trippy, post-bop fusion. It's a great jazz record. Do you know this record, Ryan? Pistol Swing by the band John Boy. Oh, yeah. 1993, Trance Syndicate, King Coffee from Butthole Surfers label. Noise Rock in the Texas Tradition. Yep. Their oh, second yeah. album, Claim Dedications, is also really good. Agreed. Trans Syndicate is a is a good record label that when you you come across it in the bins and it's a cheap used CD on Trans Syndicate, just buy it. You don't even need to know what it is. Just buy it. Agreed. It's a safe bet every time. Yeah. Joy Killer, Ready, Sex to Go. It's nice. a great comp with tracks from their, from their first three albums. That's Jack Grissom's band after another underrated band he was in called Tender Fury. Ron Emery was in the first lineup from TSOL. Paul Rossler, there's a little SS tree action for you there, was in it at one point. Billy Persons from the Weirdos and Gun Club was the bass player. The Jam, All Mod Cons, their third record. Do you like The Jam, Ryan? Oh, yeah. I like the first three records, for sure. Yeah. Okay, and my last one, The Joneses, Keeping Up With The Joneses. Basically, they're recognized as one of the earliest L.A. sleaze rock, Sunset Strip-style bands, straight out of the Johnny Thunder school of rock. Just the one record and a few singles, including one on Mark Myler's Trigon label. Oh, no way. There's an SS tie-in for you there. Paul Mars Black from the Mau Mau's and Dead Hippie and early L.A. Guns. He uh, is the drummer. Scott Chopper Franklin, who went on to a band called Charlie Horse, who has several great albums, including one on that Acetate Records. Glenn Holland, the drummer, played in Red Cross briefly and in Wasp briefly also. Don't know much about the guitarist Johnny Nation, but Jeff Drake, vocals and guitar, was in the band The Vice Principals with Scott Deluxe Drake of The Humpers. They might even be brothers, I'm not sure. Apparently... He also served three years in prison for uh, armed robbery. Greg Kuhn, the uh, keyboard player in TSOL, plays on this record. Patrick French, a.k.a. Frenchie, plays harmonica, who we discussed on the Leaving Trains Fuck episode. Right. Good stuff. That's it. That's my J section. Wow, man. You're taking all that off your phone. It's all gone. Wow. Except for the Junkyard record that's staying on. <laughs> do you have any more spiels, or is that it? That's it. Whoa. That's it. What do you have? Okay. Uh, I've got a few, um, but I'll I'll try and uh, be brief so that we can get to Snake Handler. Brant, I'm, first, I'm going to dip into the comp zone. 
And nice. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of singles. So Hold on. Just give me one second, Ryan. The Comp Zone. <laughs> oh, man. So I've got two singles. They're both comps. And there's an SS Tree tie-in on both. So it's Comp Zone, SS Tree. It's two spiels in one. Nice. Hey? It's like uh, it's like certs, hey? Two mints in one? Sure. Two, two spiels in one. So the first one is a split between the Chrome Cranks and the Cyclone Rangers. And the Cyclone Rangers do an excellent version of Little Man with a Gun in His Hand. Okay. There's another... There's a six degrees of Genovation there too. From Cyclone Rangers or Chrome Cranks? Chrome Cranks. Well, Bob Burt. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Yes. Well, you didn't even let me finish my spiel, but anyways, <laughs> Bob Burt from the Chrome Cranks I, is I, on the. Well, S3. I thought you just meant the Minutemen cover was the tie-in. That's that's the A side. The oh. B side is Bob Burt and the Chrome Cranks. Okay. But just for that. I scooped you. I scooped your just spiel. Just for that. Well, no. How many? So. Are you going to go like six degrees of Ginnovations? Are you just going to go Bob Burt, Greg Ginn? Is that what you, all you're going to do? One move? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. You scoop me, and it's a pretty un- underwhelming six degrees of Ginnovations. <laughs> My second comp, though, is um, you know how I love uh, comp single series is, is, hey? Yeah, I know this, you do. This one, this one is on Sniff and Rock. It was a magazine. That came out, um, and and a single would come with it. So on Sniff and Rock, um, there is, and this came with issue ten. It's a compilation single. Side A is Crazy Head doing an awesome version of TVI, and I've got a I've got a Stooges spiel real quick here in a second too. Um, it has the Thanes on side B doing a great garagey tune called. LSD got a million dollars, and it, then it has a live track from Das Domin, House of Mirrors, on here. Cool. So, SS Tree tie-in on Sniff and Rock presents issue ten compilation single. I was happy to find that one. Um, oh, before I go to a dose of Doll and the Stooges, I want to give you some quick street cred on that um, tripod Jimmy recommend. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, uh, I especially love the uh, the pick on the bass. It reminds me of like Red Era King Crimson and Gang of Four, and it's awesome. Nice. Um, Dose of Doll. I tweeted you a picture of this, but I gotta give a shout out because I was digging this record. The Gargoyles, San Francisco garage rock band, doing Down on You. Um, it's out on Shaken Street Records, produced by Jeff Dahl. And he also produced their second album, Without End, which is also good. The Gargoyles brand. Right on. And then last week, I think you mentioned, because I think you were doing the letter I, and that was Iggy Pop, I think. Yeah. You did You, <laughs> you did the Stooges box set. Uh, and, the Bowie, uh, the Iggy's Bowie years, yeah. Right, right. And uh, and then you were mentioning something about a Live Stooges, but uh, I picked up that new release, yeah. Live at Goose Lake. Have you checked that yeah, out? I got it too. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. You... It's not bad. Um, you know, 
the Stooges, their bootlegs are notoriously bad, often. Yeah. Like, very bad a lot of times. This one is pretty darn good, but in particular, uh, Ronnie and Scotty are just crushing it on this record, I thought. Yeah. I think they're, so, like, right out of the studio when they do that. Yeah, it's great. And the other thing that's uh, really good in it is the the saxophone is yeah. really, really out there. They, and end it, they end the set like they do Funhouse. Yeah, with, like, a 10-minute scronk. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Those are my spiels, man. Good ones. Are you ready to uh, kiss tomorrow goodbye? Yeah, man. History lesson, part one. Okay, Ryan, I'm going to get you up to speed here on the Divine Horseman. So taking it back a ways, by late 1983, Chris is starting to feel limited in his band, The Flesh Eaters, and he wants to stretch out musically. This is Chris, Chris D. He assembles a cross-section of L.A. musicians and records a record called Time Stand Still, released on Enigma in 1984 under the group name Divine Horseman. You can check out episode 90, Middle of the Night, with an inter- for an interview with Chris D. And 091, Devil's River, for an interview with Julie Christensen, to learn more about uh, the formation of the band, how the lineup was solidified, how Chris and Julie met, and, and more. On this record, we have Robin Jameson on bass, who's unfortunately no longer with us, and Chris talks about his tragic passing in, in our interview. He was described at the time as Chris's uh, longest-standing musical partner. He he did yep. play in the last two Flesh Eaters lineups, and he plays on Time Stand Still, Devil's River, and Middle of the Night. Have you ever heard that band that Robin is in called Passionel? No, never. You should check out Passionel. I bet you'd like it. It's it's eighties post-punk, some female vocals um, on the internet. People kind of describe it as a cross between the Pixies and Joy Division. Hmm. I'm not so sure about that, but Passionelle is another uh, record that Robin played on. Before or after the Divine Horseman, do you know? Uh, it's like in the middle of all this in the 80s, mid-80s. Okay. The drummer on this record is Rex Roberts uh, from rockabilly group The King Bees, among others. He recorded a few albums uh, with the King Bees and toured the U- the U.S. He's one of the first musicians recruited by Chris for the Divine Horseman, and he also played on the previous two records. Now the guitar player, replacing previous guitarists Cam King, Matt Lee, and Wayne James is new kid on the block, Peter Andrus. Here's from Julie. Oh, and I should say, Ryan, I got a ton of info from Julie and Chris for this episode. Yeah. Julie, Peter was friends with the late Wayne James. He played in Marty Nation's Crowbar Salvation Band and later for years and years with Detroit band The Volbeats. He kicks more the ass than ever on the new album. He he's he's still with the band. He plays on the new Divine Horseman record. Yeah, he definitely brings a a really um new rock edge sound his guitar tone i bet you you were just loving it oh yeah he's like i somewhere in my notes here when we get to the tracks i wrote something like he he might be my new favorite sst guitarist yeah yeah i knew you would just love it those the first five seconds of this record i'm like <laughs> oh bro, <I> just lost it. 
Okay, here's some tourage. Here's from Chris. We had not gotten to tour to support the previous albums in 86 because Cam King left to move back to Austin and Wayne James left to join the band Lethal Weapon, who we've talked about before. Peter joined late 1986 and we went on tour in February 1987 before recording Snake Handler and then for the last time in September 1987 after Snake Handler's release. So by the time this record came out, the band was, you know, one more tour and then they're done. SST booked both tours through their in-house booking agency, Global, but it wasn't a package tour. I know we played with a couple of SST bands supporting us on a few gigs, but it wasn't designed to be a tour of SST acts. I remember we played with Firehose in New Orleans, and both Flesh Eaters and earlier Divine Horseman lineups had played with the Minutemen before D. Boone died. Here's from Julie. We had our van stolen in February in New Orleans, the day after the Firehose gig, and with the profits from that tour, we flew home in remorse. I remember Robin using one of my tampon wrappers to roll a joint on the plane, and some of us snuck smokes. You'd think we'd get some kind of karmic message, but we made Snake Handler and toured again in the fall. During the tour for Snake Handler, I was clean and sober, but I sure wasn't for the recording. During the tour, Peter would drop me off at recovery meetings after sound check, and someone from the meeting would get me back to the gigs. So for, for the recording of this record, it was produced by Chris D. and Paul DeGray, engineered by Paul, Rick Novak, and Chris D. at Control Center in Los Angeles, June and July 1987. We've seen Control Center before. They used it for all of the Devil's River sessions and most of the Middle of the Night record. Chris told me it was multiple sessions over three or four weeks, including mixing. Rick was the house engineer at Control Center, and he injured, engineered some of Middle of the Night and most of Devil's River. Yeah, Paul DeGray has been on a ton of stuff too, hey? I don't know if you looked him up, but... I did, he, yeah. He produced X, The Weirdos, even some Down by Law, Pontiac Brothers, a ton of stuff. And this is a really good sounding record. It does sound great, yeah. He still has a studio called PMS Studio in Burbank. Uh, he, he did records also with Thelonious Monster, Dave Alvin, Sylvia Juncosa, Los Lobos, Circle Jerks, Bad Religion, Thin White Rope. Yep. Many more. Quite the pedigree and still going. Hey, did you see who mastered this record? John Golden. Of course. Yep. Chris told me, I remember chafing at having a co-producer, though Paul did a great job, and I don't think he was aware of my attitude, which I kept under wraps. One weird problem that bugs the hell out of me is I was tending to mix my own voice too low on some of the songs on the album. On most of the songs, the balance between Julie's voice and mine is great, but songs like Curse of the Crying Woman and Blind Leading the Blind, where Julie was the lead vocalist and I sang backup, I was very self-conscious and did not like the way I sounded. Yeah, that, I noticed that myself, actually, on those songs where it's a real showcase for Julie. Chris almost sounds buried yeah. for, for some parts, for sure. Yeah. Here's from Julie. I recall that I spent a lot of time in the bathroom outside control center fixing, and it was summertime and hot. Paul did live sound for X, so that's the, that's the Paul DeGray connection. There you go. 
Later, after I got back from touring with Leonard Cohen, I made a record for Polygram that never came out. I recorded my first two solo records in Ventura County. Paul mixed the second one and also my Where the Fireworks Are album, in which I used samples from Divine Horseman works. And, Ryan, as I mentioned, the band is back together and they have a new album in the can. Peter's playing guitar again. Doug Lacey, who plays keys on this record, uh, does some keyboards on the new one. DJ Bonebreak is the drummer from X. And filling in for Robin Jameson, who I mentioned was tragically killed in the summer of 2018, is a friend of Peter's, Bobby Permanent. Here's what Chris told me. We're releasing a live album on CD and streaming later this year, probably the first weekend of December. It's 76 minutes of high-quality performances from two Divine Horseman shows, one from October of 1985 at Safari Sam's in Huntington Beach, and the other set from February 1987 at The Rat in Boston. They've released one track, Mystery Writers, with a video, and a live version of Mother's Worry, and also that record, Time Stands Still, is up on their band camp, and it's the atavistic version, which has some killer bonus tracks on it. Chris said, we also have another single, Mind Fever Soul Fire, from the forthcoming studio album coming out in November. That's such a Divine Horseman song title, Mind Fever yeah. Soul Fire. Do we know what label it's going to come out on, or is it going to be kind of just self-released on Bandcamp type thing? Yeah, I don't know. The new record's called Hot Rise of an Ice Cream Phoenix, co-produced by Chris and engineer Craig Parker Adams, who engineered the Flash Flesh Eaters record, I Used to Be Pretty. And Chris says it'll be released sometime before summer of 2021. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know I don't know who's putting it out or what format it'll be coming out on. Can't wait to hear it though. The the track they've released already, Mystery Writers is awesome. Do you want to do the tracks, Ryan, cuz I got some great info from Chris and Julie for some of these tracks. Yeah, that sounds great. History lesson part 2. Okay, so this came out on LP cassette and CD and on SST and in Europe, it came out on LP and CD on New Rose, which we've seen with some of the okay. other Divine Horseman stuff. Yep, yep. Okay, track one, side one, Snake Handler. Lyrics by Chris, music by Peter, Chris, and the Divine Horseman. We've got Jimmy Wood honking on the Bobo here. Yes. He's the lead vocalist and harmonica player in a band called Imperial Crowns. And we've seen him before. He plays on the Devil's River album. Chris says in his excellent book, A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die, where he has all the lyrics written out and talks a little bit about some of the the Flesh Eaters and Divine Horseman stuff. He says, This song was written when we were trying to get a major record deal and was my reaction to some of the appalling interactions we'd had with various infantile A&R men at big companies. <laughs> Here's what he told me recently. The snake handler riff was our guitarist Peters, and then I put together the vocal melodies and decided the lyrics I was going to sing and the lines Julie would sing. There were two inspirations for the lyrics. Henry Cruz's novel, A Feast of Snakes, which is an awesome book, by the way, and also our experiences with mainstream 
record company people, not SST, and other corporate jerks Julie and I occasionally had to deal with. Such as, I wear gloves talking on the telephone because I'm a snake handler. This song and Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye have dozens of references to hard-boiled crime noir book titles embedded in the lyrics. And this is the one they did the video for. Here's what Chris told me. At the time, SST was offering a lot of support, and I believe they might have pulled in the director Kevin Kerslake, who was just out of film school and starting out, but I may be wrong. Kevin also cast me in a short film based on a one-person monologue play by the late writer, radio host Joe Frank, called P-Diddle. Kevin went on to do scores of videos with bands like Nirvana, such as the video <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit. He did videos for R.E.M., Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Green Day, and too many others to name. He also, Ryan, did some videos we've talked about already, like Sonic Youth's Shadow of a Doubt. Beauty Lies in the Eye, and he also did the Opal Happy Nightmare Baby video. Hmm. The video was filmed in my backyard and a neighbor's backyard in Eagle Rock. Also, some scenes were shot in downtown L.A. at a disused freight train railroad track and also the Los Angeles riverbed in the Atwater Echo Park area. Julie told me, you can tell I had fun playing with that boa constrictor. I can't say the same for Chris. I don't know if you got a chance to wa watch the video, but there's a boa constrictor in it they're wearing around their neck and stuff. Oh. Uh, you know what I liked about this song was, I don't know, I mean, it's not super high in the mix, but there's an egg shaker in it that is, I believe, not just for rhythmic tastiness it's also intended to sound a little bit like a rattlesnake and it works so well with the song awesome yeah obviously i love this song great riff love the harp the lyrics are awesome julie has you know a little bit puts a little bit of rasp in her vocals which is great the chris line where he's going born with the dead just south of heaven you better judge me not right before the solo is just awesome. The vocal interplay, yeah. I'm a nothing man and I'm a worthless woman that they do, like that back and forth. The video is amazing. Chris just looks like such a badass in it. Yeah. In the uh, the SST catalog for this record, the Spaceman says, uh, with the dual-throated vocal Nirvana team of Christy and Julie Christensen, and they totally are. Yeah. Okay, track two, Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. Lyrics by Chris, music by Chris, Peter, Robin, and Divine Horseman. Uh, in his book, he says the title for this song uh, comes from a super nihilistic noir novel by Horace McCoy, which that description really makes me want to read that one. Here's what Chris told me. Equal input from Peter, Robin, and I musically, and I purposely modeled that bridge that came after the first two verses with Julie singing to have kind of a Ennio Morricone spaghetti western tribute influence. You can totally hear yeah. that too. It worked really well. Yeah, that that is that's what I was getting at before. Like the bass playing for Robin, it's really killer in this song. There's some great melodic bass lines that work with that. Uh, Morricone type feel yeah 
Chris said, I used the cut-up style to incorporate the titles of numerous pulp paperback titles into a tongue-in-cheek, semi-coherent, free association stream of ideas. Like, the lyrics are all, thankfully, on the insert of the LP. Yep. Which is good, because they're great. Dig that crazy grave. I'm your swamp sister. For a few dollars more. I sp spit in your face. Tattoo the wicked cross. Pawn shop guitars. You can totally see what he's talking about there. When you, when you read the lyrics, uh, I love the harmonica, like the kind of country and western style playing. There's a killer extended outro solo that Peter plays, which is really great. Julie's vocals are a standout for me on this one. Track three, Stone by Stone, Fire is My Home. Lyrics by Chris and Julie. Music by Robin, Chris, and Divine Horseman. Chris said, music by Robin and I, and it was meant to be a kind of dreamy, psychedelic type song. There's a few older lyric lines in it that originated in a 1983 Flesh Eaters rehearsal. Like, stone by stone, I drove that car right over that, the cliff, stone by stone, into the deep blue sea, stone by stone, but don't weep for me. Yeah, it's got a great uh, bass intro by Robin, and also, this one has got some organ on it, right? Yeah. And it, um, that is, it's Doug Lacey. It almost sounds, it's not super high in the mix either, but it kind of has that Hammond Leslie speaker sound on the organ that I always dig. Yeah. It kind of adds to the stonesy gospel vibe to the song. Totally. And especially when J Julie's got that refrain down by the river, love the riff on this song. Here's an interesting thing. Chris told me we hadn't, we had one night where we had to use another studio to mix this song. Maybe Gold Star, but I don't recall for certain. I can tell the difference in the mix, but I'm sure no one else can. The mixing board was much fancier and more complicated than control centers, and it was intimidating to me to get thrown in there for that one night. It bugs the hell out of me that I have a spoken word, improvised kind of dream monologue during the long psychedelic outro on the ending, but you can't really hear it. Part of this was being in a hurry because we were in that different studio, but also because I was not experienced at using EQ tricks to make my voice pop out over busy sounding instrumentals. If I had mixed mm. it a few years later, I would have known to boost the hell out of my mid-range in my voice during that end passage, making it sound as if it was coming over an old-fashioned amplified telephone. Julie said, that bass line Robin graced us with on Stone by Stone is so sinewy and spooky. Yes. Yep. And much later on SST 247, Chris had a band called Stone by Stone that we'll be checking out. Okay, track four, Curse of the Crying Women. Lyrics by Julie and Chris. Music, Peter, Julie, and Divine Horseman. The title of, is taken from a Mexican horror film. Chris said, Curse was pretty much Julian Peter's baby. I only wrote the lyrics for the bridge. I'm also singing backup on the song, but I'm virtually inaudible. There's a yep. weird thing that happens at the end of the mix where the previous take we recorded on multi-track analog tape did not get completely erased, and part of it shows up at the very tail end of the song. 
We liked the way it sounded so much we worked it into the mix, which I think gives it a very distinctive late 1960s psychedelic folk rock vibe. Hmm. Here's what Julie told me. I wrote a lot of curse with Pete's musical help. He uses an alternate tuning on that one, I think, which kind of, to me, adds to the Stonesy vibe a little bit. Oh, you think it's like an open open G? Yeah. Chris often says he likes to use a cut-up technique to write songs, and I borrowed that method for this one. He and I used to watch a lot of 60s and 70s horror films, and one night I was reading a list of them and began the song. I had been trying to kick heroin for some time at that point, and I think my subconscious and I think my subconscious attended to that thought process and those lyrics. When I sang it, I felt like that crying woman, for whom I hope is trying its best to get through. I like I love the psychedelic ending. I think Paul did a wild thing during the mix where he spliced the two inch tape and wiggled the whole machine to make that happen. Cool. Yeah. It's just a great song. Cool drum pattern during the verses, what Rex is doing on the snare. Uh, and Julie just has a phenomenal voice. Yeah, it's a great a great side A. You must have been digging it for the sequencing. I thought it oh, was yeah. really good on this record, hey? For sure, yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, flip it over. Track one, side two, Someone Like You. Lyrics by Chris and Peter. Music, Peter, Chris, and Divine Horseman. Here's Chris. One of those crazy dialogue songs where Julie and I are two lovers singing to each other. Peter wrote the slide guitar riff, and he actually wrote a few lines of lyrics in the first verse. It's just a killer rockin' track. Great vocal interplay. Julie calls it a real romp. She compares it to their song, Mother's Worry. Yeah, Peter is really a huge contributor to this record for being the new guy, eh? Like, he's right in it. Yeah, and if you look at the photo on the back cover, he looks pretty young, too. Yeah, no kidding, 20s, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's tearing it up, man. Dude can play. Do you you love his jean jacket? Of course I do. do. Of course I do. Yeah. I knew it. Okay, the second track, Fire Kiss. Lyrics by Chris, music Chris and Divine Horseman. This is Chris's favorite song on the record. He wrote both the lyrics and the music. He said, I wrote a few of the lines in Boston on Halloween in 1983 when the Flesh Eaters, shortly before that lineup broke up, got flown out to do just one show at The Rat and I stayed the night at Byron Coley's apartment overnight. It was lightly snowing outside my window as I fell asleep, which is referenced in the lyrics, as is opioid use. The music and the rest of the lyrics were written shortly after Time Stands Still in 1984. Peter's lead guitar playing during the instrumental ending is Godhead. I continued to perform this one uh, with the Flesh Eaters when we reformed. In his book, he says, this song referenced the heroin use that was starting to bear its fangs and my faulty assertion of willpower, affection, and sexual love being able to overcome it. Again, this is, you know, a good kind of... Stonesy, slow-burning rocker. Yeah, it's great that, it's bass. a highlight for me for sure. Yeah, great bass intro yet again. There's three songs on here that have wicked bass intros. Yeah. Okay, track three, side two. What is red? Lyrics by Chris. Music by Rex Roberts, Peter, and Divine Horseman. We've got Jimmy Wood, honking on the bobo again. 
Neither nice. uh, Julie or Chris had anything to say about this one. To me, it's just a good rocker. Peter is like, this is the one where I said, Peter is like my new favorite SST guitarist. <laughs> You're going to go and buy every uh, Crowbar Salvation record now, aren't you? <laughs> if might. you don't already have them. I don't. Do you I don't have, have any of them, no. What about, uh, what was the other band that uh, they mentioned he was in? Um, That's the band, Crowbar Nation. Oh, there was another one you mentioned. What about the Fur Ones? Have you heard that, Peter no. Andrews band? No. The Fur Ones. you got to do a deep dive, man. I will. The ending of this song where Robin is riding a bass note and Julie's kind of wailing over top is just so awesome. Okay, the next truck. The next track, Blind, Leading the Blind. Lyrics by Julie and Chris. Music, Julie, Peter, Chris, and Divine Horseman. This one, I think, has Jimbo Ross on viola. He's played on tons of records, like Rocket from the... from Everything from Rocket to the Crypt to Justin Timberlake. There's a couple players on this record. Chris Darrow plays violin on the record somewhere. He's also a multi-instrumentalist who also has a lengthy discography. This song is a real, real showcase for Julie. Like, yeah. this is, she really shines on this one for sure. Yeah, some great gospely organ, too, from Doug Lacey, who is a friend of Julie's. Okay, track five, side two. That's No Way to Live. Lyrics by Chris, music by Chris, Peter, and Divine Horseman. This is another song originated in old Flesh Eaters rehearsal jams from 1983 it's just a cool slow burner to kind of end the record and then ryan as we've seen on some other divine horseman releases the cd has extra tracks i'm not going to focus too hard on these because we'll be seeing them again on sst 176 the handful of sand 12 inch ep okay uh, but it includes past all dishonor frankie silver and sanctuary which are all on that record, Handful of Sand. There's one extra track on the CD version that's not on Handful of, Handful of Sand, and it's a cover of the Donovan track Super Lungs from his 1969 album Barra Bajoggle, I think is how you pronounce it. How about the artwork, Ryan? Yeah, dig that Robert Williams painting on the cover, hey? Yeah. It's entitled, I Have Studied the Half Rat on the Street of Fugitive angles while there is a half rat <laughs> in the guy's hand yeah they use that image of the the dude with the with the half rat on like their tour shirt and tour poster okay do you see that guy along the uh the the kind of the right hand border there jumping over the candle you know who that is hey jack be nimble that's right <laughs> this has like some pretty classic Robert Williams imagery on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. The de the devil guy with the horns is pretty classic. And the cars, too. The cars, for sure. Good call. Here's a few things about Robert Williams. He's, an, if, in case people don't know, American painter, cartoonist, founder of Juxtapose magazine. His style of conceptual realism is generally recognized as being a huge influence on the lowbrow art scene. He's done a ton of record album covers by bands like Ludacrist, Scatterbrain, Wall of Voodoo, Babes in Toyland, that hip-hop band Boogie Down Productions. He did a record album 
cover for them. And of course, most famously, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction is named after one of his paintings, uh, which was famously used as the original cover art. Uh, but Geffen eventually moved it to the insert of the record after retails started refusing to stock the album. He's 77 years old and still producing amazing art. You just got to sneak in some Guns N' Roses every time you can, can't, don't you? Anytime I can. Here's what yeah. Chris told me. I can't remember how I met Robert. It was either through a mutual artist friend like Hudson Marquez or at one of Robert's many book release art openings in Los Angeles in the early 80s. I was a huge fan of his art from his days at Zap Comics in the late 60s. Julie and I went to his house where he lived with his wife Suzanne several times in the mid-80s. When Julie and I split up a few weeks before Christmas in 1987, Robert and Suzanne came over on Christmas Day to try to cheer me up and gave me a ride in one of their classic hot rod coupe sedans. That's Robert's car in the photo behind the band on the cover of the Flesh Eaters Drag Strip Riot album, which we'll be seeing way later on SST273. The painting already existed. We also paid Robert to do a tour poster and t-shirt for the tour in 1987, which was a snake handling variation of the character in the painting. Julie said, I love how that cover art is so like us, even though Robert had painted it before. I remember going to his house for a barbecue, which Lydia Lunch also attended. She called him the patio daddio, and I loved that expression. I've stolen it and use it willy-nilly at outdoor parties to this day. And now I shall use it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the back cover, taken by Naomi Peterson. Here's what Chris told me. The photo was taken at Holly Gully Rehearsal Studios in Atwater, where our bassist Robin Jameson worked. Those 1950s and 60s horror film posters behind us belong to me, and I later sold them off when in financial straits in the early 90s. Pretty badass looking looking group here. I love Julie's snakeskin kind of shirt. Yep. Is Robin wearing a skull ring? I hope so. Looks like it, yep. Yeah. That would be good. And he's got the full Paisley shirt going on too, hey? Or whatever. It looks like a... Definitely has like a 60s vibe, that that outfit he's got going on. It almost looks like a snakeskin shirt too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it looks kind of knit or crocheted or something. Yeah. What does Chris's patch there say? Me drink? Me drunk? Me drunk? Never. Me drunk never with a tiger, right? Yeah. Is that what that is? Or, a, or is a guy on the ground? No, it's a tiger, I think. It's an, tiger, it's an yeah. awesome picture for sure. And the insert, Ryan, is really good, too. And Julie put it together. She laid it up. Yeah, all this snake imagery. Yeah. There's some uh, some Greek and Roman mythology imagery. There's Medusa, a bunch of stuff. Let's see who we see in this thank you list here. Oh, there's some good ones. Byron Coley. Yeah, Naomi Peterson, of course. X, Firehose, The Hangman. Yes, The Hangman. Robert and Susan Williams. Concrete Blonde, Brand. Yeah, I love Concrete Blonde. I thought you would. Yep. Herman Sinek, where do I know that name? We That's come up on the podcast before, but I can't remember where. Greg Ginn gets a thank you. And All the Snakes Who Inspired Us. That's how it ends. Herman Sinek, I think he was in Blood on the Saddle. Yeah, you're right. I think he's the drummer. Yeah. Yep. He was also in The Loaf and Hyenas. That's who right. Are like... Yep. And, hey, check this out. I just looked him up. 
He's also in Crowbar Salvation. Hey, there you go. I think we talked about those Crowbar Salvation records. Yeah. On that I don't think we had quite the appreciation for Peter back then, though. Yeah. Woo! Hey, thanks to Chris and Julie for sending me all that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Great to have uh, Chris and Julie contribute to the show. Remember how we said when we finish the podcast, we're going to have everyone over? Yeah. I think Chris and Julie would be cool to hang out with. Oh, yeah, man. That'd be great. Yep. But it's at your house, right? Sure. Okay. My house isn't big enough. <laughs> All right. Ballot result? You betcha. Ballot result. What are your standout tracks, Ryan? Um. Well, I mean, Snake Handler is a obvious standout. There's no no denying it. Um, I really like the bass lines in Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. I already mentioned that. Um, Stone by Stone is just a, a smoldering, you know, like just what a great, great tune, great vibe. Um, and I love the organ on that one. I could, I could, I could go on about like every, every song, I guess. I really like Fire Kiss. Fire Kiss yeah. is really good. Lots of them. The whole record's really, really solid. Yeah, totally. Sn Snake Handler's good. Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye is awesome. Someone Like You is great. Fire Kiss is, uh, that's Chris's favorite song. I think we should probably go with Snake Handler, though. It's the title track. It's the video. It's the single. Oh, yeah. We won't regret putting that one on. Yeah. And I think Handful of Sand has maybe kiss tomorrow goodbye on it there you go so we might get another crack at that get one a second chance yep right on ryan what's next week next week brant it's a first timer on the show it's sst 141 the brian ritchie album the blend and we've got a special guest brand yeah brian ritchie's on the podcast and it's a great interview i can't wait for everyone to hear it Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.